Welcome to the My Life is the Medicine podcast, where we get off the never-ending search for more and take an inward gaze to find how our lives have already taught us profound truths. Rather than turning outward to experts or gurus, we talk with ordinary people and reflect inwardly about the life journey and everything felt, thought, and experienced along the way. Join us in casual conversation and reflective dialogue to discover how simply living a normal life, reflecting on our own life experiences, has already given us all the expertise we need. Hosted by Chuck Hancock, an ordinary human who has lived life in many roles, like psychotherapist, software engineer, school teacher, orphan, adoptee, father, brother, mentor, coach, ceremonialist, and more. Chuck is a weaver of wisdom, from modern-day psychology to ancient wisdom of indigenous and European roots, creating alchemy from everyday modern American life. Welcome to another episode of My Life is the Medicine. This is going to be a solo episode where I'm going to share a little bit more of my thoughts and reflections um, based on that intro episode that I recorded. I had a little bit of a vulnerability hangover and a fear of being misunderstood and want to clarify a couple of things that I said there, as well as share a story or two from clients in the past few weeks. Obviously, I can't identify anything about my clients. It wouldn't be right or ethical, but I do have permission from the client to share this story with no identifying information. I don't want to work with current clients on this podcast to avoid any conflict of interest or, or slips of confidentiality or preferential treatment. Definitely need to be mindful of that. And yet at the same time, every week, medicine is created in these sessions. Um, so part of the goal of this podcast is to, to share the medicine in ways that are helpful. So I'm trying to walk that line of sharing appropriately, but hopefully not too much. And so starting back to my own words and the comments I made about relationship and how we're supposed to love everything and everyone and how it's a little bit more complicated than that. Yeah, I definitely uh, wanted to clear that up because I don't want to be misunderstood that absolutely I lean towards loving and having compassion and care and understanding to all people and all things uh, as much as possible. But there also can become a point where all love and all light all the time and it being the only rule can become a little suffocating and challenging in the relationship and prevent some of the lessons that need to be learned as well. So what I really wanted to express was, yes, absolutely, we're leaning in that direction to have love towards all people and all things, at least I try to. And at the same time, sometimes things need to be cleaned up and cleared up and um, weeded or having the, the bubbles or the boils pop. Because sometimes it is like that. Um, it, it does feel a little gross when things, especially like narcissistic inflation or strong-willed ego or, or, or our own dogma, like believing that we know the one thing that's right and the one way to do it. Like those things get a little mus musty and messy and, and pussy at times. So it doesn't always feel good and it doesn't always feel like love and light, but ultimately 
that can be part of the process that brings deeper healing and peace uh, along the way. Countless examples in, in the medical field of, you know, setting broken bones or um, draining infections or things like that, you know, that, that doctors and nurses know this, that um, sometimes it's got to get messy, it's got to get more painful um, to ultimately get to the healing that's necessary. And if we stick with the, it always has to feel good and be full of love and light, uh, we actually don't get to the healing that's necessary. I want to share a, a client's story um, that really illustrates exactly what this podcast is about and a little bit more about that lesson. This client, someone I've been working with for a long time and definitely did uh, a lot of great deep core work and healing work and she has become a very successful business owner and yoga teacher and runs a family, has a great social life, you know, like definitely made a lot of progress to have a healthy, balanced life and ease anxiety and yet is continuing to work um, on herself because the layers continue to go deeper and deeper. A few weeks ago, she shared how you know, she is getting so much out of her garden just by like really tending to it, really loving it, like lots of water, lots of love and care and just spending time out there has been like really good for her and helpful and healing and resourcing and grounding because like many of us, this is a person that has a lot on her plate and um, probably stays a little too busy and can get lost in the endless to-do lists and the priorities and and always feeling a little behind but the garden has become like a, a major source of of healing and rejuvenation so that's a really common story you hear and a lot of people know that more of the story that i wanted to share was a few weeks later she came in and was realizing how her priorities are starting to shift and she realized how Normally, she'd be really busy and really stressed this time of year, and she still has the same amount of work, and it's still just as busy and stressful, but because of the work that she's doing, she's learning how to listen more internally to what actually wants to happen or needs to happen for her in the moment. And she shared a story about one particular Saturday, she happened to get up and was called to go to, out to her garden, and... She didn't intend to because she had a lot of things to do, but she ended up spending about three hours out there tending weeds and then realizing that her sunflowers were absolutely beautiful. And they have just gotten so big and so tall and so bountiful and abundant this year. And she loved them. And then she realized, though, that her tomatoes and her beans weren't quite growing as vibrantly as they could be and how they have in years past. And she really kept looking like, all right, what's needed here? And she realized as much as she loved the sunflowers, she needed to trim some back. And she didn't want to at first because they're beautiful. But then she realized, well, I'm growing a garden to make things that are nutritious and, and healthy. And, and sunflowers are beautiful, but they don't really nourish and sustain the body like the other vegetables do. And so 
she was able to trim some of the sunflowers out, or actually a lot of the sunflowers out, I believe, and make beautiful bouquets to give to her friends and share some of that beauty, and then tend to tying up the tomatoes and the beans, which then is helping them to thrive a lot more. And at first she was just telling this as a story that she already knew of, see, look, my garden is very helpful and, and helps me to ground and resource and it's helping me to see how I'm shifting my priorities and I don't need to be so stressed all the time because I'm attuned more to these natural cycles that are happening in my own backyard. And then I reflected back, like, listen to what you just said. You've been focused so much on, on the sunflowers. What do the sunflowers represent? And sunflowers, of course, are these beings that are very tall and they reach towards the sky very, very high. They grow these big, beautiful flowers that look a lot like the sun and they turn and they reach towards the sun. They're always facing the light. And this person, like many of us, has been someone that is always focused on the light, not realizing that continuing to grow taller and taller and wider and more and more abundant, always focused on the light, actually was choking out and overshadowing some of the more nutritious vegetables. Literally casting a shadow. The sun was so bright and, and the beings that were reaching for it were casting shadows on the things that were more nutritious. And as we reflected on, on this lesson, it's like so many things seemed to come into focus and so much more clarity um, for her around this bigger arc of things that has been happening in her life and even more that has been shifting this past year um, than just some of the, the things on the surface and, and just feeling better with, with a little bit less anxiety. So it's a great story to illustrate, you know, just by living life and just by paying attention, these ordinary things that we do all the time, many of us in our average suburban homes actually have really profound wisdom teachings in them to help us see that always focusing on the beauty, always focusing on the love and light actually is casting a really big shadow. And really, sometimes that needs to be pruned back so that the more nutritious things that are lower to the ground or can also grow taller in the case of both beans and tomatoes have a chance to grow taller that they wouldn't if they were overshadowed by the sunflowers. You know, furthermore, this story illustrates how sometimes there's things that we really love that are really beautiful, like these sunflowers that we actually really need to kill and take off. Like, and as I say that, I feel the grief in my heart of like, wow, like, I don't want to do that. Like that sunflower has a, light, a right to live too. And yet if we really feel what's happening there, like, yes, we, we do sometimes need to prune things back that are growing very beautiful and really abundantly that provide a lot of beauty and to do it heartlessly, um, you know, it is, it's possible 
but we can miss a lesson. And if we do it heart fully and we feel how we're actually taking a life of that sunflower, it opens that door to grief again that we talked about in that episode with my partner, Kelly, which I'm feeling right now as I talk about it. And it's just how it is, you know, it's just how it is that like to sustain us and nourish us, you know, it, on this planet, it requires taking life, whether it's plant life or vegetable life or life of things that might be in the way of other things that need to grow and thrive. And those are really hard decisions to make. And I think it is part of the responsibility of our adult selves to be these caretakers, to make these decisions that sometimes cause some pain or open the door to grief if we really feel it, to provide a more holistic welcoming environment for more varieties and more diversity and more nutritious things to be able to thrive. And that opens the door to another misconception I wanted to make from my intro episode and probably comments I've made in other episodes about how when we look inside and we, we really get that guidance, then we know really what we want and what's clear and what's best. And, and that's true, but we also have to be careful about what is the source of that. It's very possible for that to be coming from a, a narcissistic, childish, or ego-driven place of, well, I want this because it's going to you know, make me more money, or it's going to make me more popular or famous, or it's going to give me something more yummy and delicious to eat, or it's going to make me happier, or in, a, in, in really codependent relationships, it's going to make someone else really happy, and then, that, then I'll be happy if I get to do that. And really what I'm talking about, both in the story with my client and what I'm trying to express through the podcast, that it's actually through the adult decisions of doing what ultimately is right and best for the health of ourselves and the health of our families and the people around us, our communities, our environment, that that's the guidance we have to look for is what's best and bring the most health and vibrance not just, what do I want? It's more childlike to get focused on, what do I want? And I, I deserve to get what I want. That's what kids and teenagers do. But really looking at what's best. You know, I don't think my client wanted to cut the sunflowers. They were beautiful. But she found a way to listen to herself and her garden and knew that that's really what was best and ended up making a lot more beauty and a lot more health out of the situation. But it wasn't through just going through this first, this is what I want type of an experience. Another example that I've heard from many clients over the years that have been involved with different spiritual or religious communities of various flavors, um, churches, yoga studios, um, nature-based organizations, uh, even companies and corporations and, and public schools. You know, I, I've heard this story in so many places about how this focus on kindness always and love and light always is really strangulating and really can cut off the voices of the actual experiences of the people. 
you know, to go back with the garden metaphor again, the tomatoes and the beans and I'm assuming the greens and, and whatever else she might have had in her garden were really trying to grow and thrive and they needed something different than what was available in the environment. And if we're focused on the sunflowers only, like, look, they're so beautiful and we can't take them down because they're providing so much beauty and joy and love and and so focused on the sun and and they're amazing we don't hear those voices of like, hey, hey, I'm suffocating down here. I'm actually struggling. I'm actually having a hard time here. And and I feel like I can't say that because we've made this agreement to only be kind and positive and focus on the love and light. And when organizations and groups are are like that, Often conflicts erupt and the people that are bringing the voice of dissent of like, hey, I'm, I'm struggling. I can't breathe here. I'm not getting any of the light. They get blamed or pushed out of the organizations or really struggle and suffer for a really long time, maybe at the best case scenario, until the voices are finally heard. Maybe you've seen this happen in your own relationships, your own workplaces, your own social groups, your own families even. Um, Sometimes, especially for kids and teenagers, we have these expectations that they're going to always behave a certain way. But um, really, kids and teenagers need a a place to express their negative emotions. Um, They can't necessarily do it at school or they get in trouble, and so they have to have a space for it. You know, the home can be a space for it. Um, therapy can be a space for it. Um, but ideally, there can be a lot of understanding for the people we care about, and that there could be a lot of spaces for it. Um, but we do have to have a space for these challenges and negative feelings if we're expected to hold it together and, and be positive and keep with the love and light theme all the time. Um, it becomes really toxic and, and really choking and strangulating, like in the garden example. This also starts to point a little bit to this topic that I've been really exploring in my own personal life and and with a lot of clients is codependency and how we become so focused on other people's experience and other people's beliefs about ourselves and focusing on the other person in general trying to make them happy, make them healthy, make them well, and neglecting ourselves. Um, Sometimes what we're talking about in this podcast, people hear and they say, oh, you're just talking about being really selfish. Well, no, I'm I'm not. Um, What I'm talking about is uh, really looking at ourselves and our own personal experiences and not focusing on the other person as the source of information or truth. It has to come from ourselves first. Then we can relate to the other person with understanding and care and compassion. If we don't know how we're standing and how we're sitting, and we're only focused on the other person or we focus on them first, then it's easy to get really confused about what the truth is and what's yours, what's mine. I talked in the intro episode about my involvement with African drum and dance, and that's been actually one of the 
strongest places that's taught me how to uncouple from codependence. If you ever tried to play music with anyone of any form, um, you might have had this experience. Um, for some reason, for me, it, it's shown up even stronger in drumming, especially drumming with complex polyrhythms when people are playing very different things that actually do fit together, but it's not a standard American rock beat to know how it fits together. It takes a lot more uh, awareness of, your, of, of where the beat is and where the anchor points are versus a lot of Western music. It's really clear because um, there's a really solid one, two, three, four. Everyone knows where the beat is. So in this African drumming that I've done, it's really easy to get lost and confused when you're listening to other people play. Making music with others really is a wonderful practice for life in that you really have to listen to other people because if you're only listening to yourself, then it's very easy to get out of time and out of connection, out of sync with other people. And it sounds horrible because you're not actually contributing to the relationship and making something that's beautiful and harmonious. But also, if you're only listening to the other person, then it's easy to not realize that you're not playing on track and get lost and confused. And so it, this balance of really being solidly anchored in yourself and listening to yourself first and foremost, and then also listening to the other person and knowing that what you're contributing is in balance and harmony with the general idea of what's trying to be created is a really beautiful practice for music and for life. When you're trying to hold down one rhythm that's one part and then someone else plays something else that sounds really cool and, and maybe it's really cool and it totally fits, but you're listening too much to them and then it throws you off with what you're playing. Or maybe they play something that actually is totally off because we're all human and we all make mistakes sometimes. And then we get thrown off from the other person going off. Like that happens in our intimate relationships all the time. Wife, kids, boyfriend, girlfriend, all partners, coworkers. You know, when someone's really in a mood or having a bad day, if we're not solid and anchored in ourselves, it's really easy to get sucked into that emotion. And so African drumming has really taught me how to really listen to myself, to really know where the, the beat is, where uh, they even call it the heartbeat sometimes. You know, this is the pulse. This is the blood flowing. This is how the heart is beating. And we're all connected to that. And we can all have lots of different voices and things to say and improvisations and really the ability to make mistakes sometimes, as long as we're still connected to that heartbeat and can come back to it right away. If we don't know where that heartbeat is, it's very easy to get thrown off either by ourselves and our own confusion or by other people and their own confusion, or as been the theme of this podcast, we can even get thrown off by other people that are doing something really amazing and really great and really well if we start copying them and doing that. And that's not actually what we're supposed to be doing because it's not our life and it's not our part and it's not our role right now, then we're kind of off track. So 
That's why it's so important to be able to come back to ourselves, know our own heart, know our own life, know our own medicine, know our own what's best to be doing right now with our time and with our attention and with our energy. And when we are playing our part really well, that provides a really stable foundation for other people to play their part really well. If we're all playing the same thing, saying the same thing, doing the same thing, it's really boring and monotonous. But when each of us knows our own role and can do it really well, it actually enables everyone to really shine and flourish and make something even more beautiful together. So I think that brings us back full circle to where I started this conversation about it is all about love and it is all about the heart. But that doesn't always mean what you think it means. Like it actually means that we're actually so connected to our own heart that sometimes we can do things that might not feel good, that might be harmful, if it's really in service of what's best for the ecosystem, what's best for our community, what's best for our relationships. And I do believe we should try to do that in the most gentle way as possible. And sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes it's not possible to be gentle. Sometimes, like with cutting the sunflowers, it actually takes pruning something or someone out. That also brings me to something else I've learned on, on many vision quests is that these relationships don't really go away. Um, they're, they're really still in us. Even if we think we've cut someone out of our life, like the imprint and the impact of our time with them is, is really still there. And so it might sometimes be best to cut something or someone out of our life, like pruning the sunflowers, whether it's a, a beautiful sunflower or a toxic, noxious weed that's really strangling something out, you know, either one, it's kind of the same thing, what's best, but that's still an action that we have to take to maintain health and wholeness and balance and the presence of that being and that we they were there at one point and are now not there is, is always true. Like we can't forget that. And I think sometimes people want to forget people or forget experiences in our lives, but it doesn't really work like that. Sometimes the cutting out creates the space that's necessary for more growth, but then that's also when the inner work begins that we can really look at, well, what was it about that relationship that was so difficult for me and how can I then work to learn something from that and heal that within myself so that the next time I'm in that situation, maybe I don't have to cut the person or the being out, but I can act in a different way that doesn't create harm for myself and other people. And back to the comments on codependence, doesn't create an environment of enabling dysfunctional patterns and, and disease and, and unwell situations in the ecosystem. In talking to some of the first guests on my podcast, they went back and listened to the recordings of their episodes, and at first their reaction was hearing the mistakes that they had made and what originally they thought of as mistakes in listening to their own stories and the reflections and continuing to contemplate it, they realized that those twists and turns and things that they thought were mistakes in their lives 
actually turned out to be really valuable sources of medicine. But it took the courage to be willing to go back and look at it and learn from the mistakes. Of course, we know that when it comes to projects or everyday things that we're doing, especially in our culture of perfectionism, it's well known that everybody makes mistakes and we learn from our mistakes. But it seems to me that it requires an even bigger level of willingness and commitment and humility to be able to look at our life choices and the directions that we've taken and be able to learn from those things, the regrets, the missed opportunities, as well as what actually did happen, even when it wasn't things that we wanted. What's being learned by looking at these experiences and these things that we're calling mistakes, they're actually really potent sources of medicine. And so it's part of what I mean when we cut out a sunflower, or we cut out a weed, or we cut out a person from our life, it's really still there, and there's really still medicine there to be learned. And if we just try to dismiss it and move on and forget about it, then we're not really getting the lessons or the medicine from it, and those same situations are going to show up in our life again at some point. It just seems to be the way it works. So those are my thoughts for today. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you found something valuable about my client's stories or about my stories that I shared this week. And as always, keep looking at your own life, keep looking at your own experiences, and keep harvesting as much of the medicine that's already there and already available. You don't have to be looking for more. It's already right there. Thank you for listening to My Life is the Medicine. We hope our guest story this week has inspired you to look closer at your own life. Maybe you heard some of your own story and their story through many of these experiences are common, ordinary experiences. And maybe something about their story was unique, which also might have inspired you to think about how your life, too, is unique. Either way, we hope our story today has helped you to see that your life, too, is the medicine. If you'd like to consider diving deeper into your own story and sharing your story with others, we hope you might consider joining us on a future episode. And if not, that's okay too. We hope you'll continue listening, keep reflecting, and help you see how your life too is the medicine. Take good care, and we'll see you next time.